0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: All right, this is Clint Shoff. You're listening to my favorite podcast with my favorite dudes, Josh Levine on Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh.
0: What's up, this is Rebel Radio. What up, what up, this is DJ Newmark. This is
1: Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy, it's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel
2: Radio. We're
1: in the place right here. Ah. Rebel Radio is going down. Would
2: you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait, let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it why they do it and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. It's also the only show that features new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. And uh, last week I told you about a live episode coming up with Ali Shahid Muhammad of A Tribe Called Quest. That's part of the new story at LA Times Festival of Books. That's going down Saturday, April 21st in Los Angeles. Uh, I hope you're coming to that. I hope to see you there. Get your tickets at events.latimes.com. It's definitely gonna sell out, so uh, make sure you get a ticket. And my guest this week is Clint Schaff. He's one of the producers of New Story at Festival of Books. He works at the LA Times. He helped to create the Dirty John podcast. He's got some great stories about his career of, of creating innovation within large companies. Uh, he really lives his life by discovering interesting stories and helping people and businesses tell them. Some really good stuff coming up today with Clint Shop, right after our EDM.com track of the week.
0: Truth, all all found is all the mass her love was made of glass i'm trying to pick up every piece waving a white flag i just need a little peace first you hate me then you love me then you hate me more no i gave you lots of ammunition guess our love was war we keep breaking up then making up and that's why we all go around in circles like
2: we're stuck in yo that was bro with running out the edm.com track of the week if you like that one get over to edm.com for more new music and now let's get into the interview with Clint Shaw this is exciting, man. I, I know uh, we've been talking about it for a long time. I know you've been—you're one of our few guests that have come and observed. I'm a groupie. I'm a Robo Radio groupie. You know? That's dope, man. It's—it's it's, uh, like we've been doing the show almost three years, and you know, whenever I learn that someone actually listens or likes the show, is, I'm like a kid on Christmas. And so, it's, a, it's such an amazing feeling. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, um, you got a unique voice out there for sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to make sure we talk about News Story. Yeah. And uh, what we're doing, what we're doing, and you're doing, and all that. I'm really excited about that. Um, but I want, I want to, I want to learn. I want to talk about you first. All right. Um, and, well, let's promote News Story. Yeah, let's do so it. We, we have that. So we,
1: uh, LA Times Festival of Books. This longstanding franchise, beloved amongst. Bibliophiles, I think they're called, <laughs> and uh, Angelinos yeah. left and right. You know, 150,000 people came last year. Wow. Uh, it's been going for 20 plus years. And uh, this year, again, at USC. And uh, this year we wanted to expand the aperture of the event to not just talk about books, but also to talk about um, the storytelling that is central to Los Angeles. So that's, sure. you know, we, plenty of literate people here. But when you think of LA, you think television, film, music, right. um, performance. You know, increasingly VR, AR, podcasts like this, and we want to, you know, create a place for those stories to be told as well. Mm-hmm. In addition and alongside books, so we're we're basically calling it you know new story, uh, creative storytelling beyond the book. Nice, looking at all those different forms and mediums. And it was kind of interesting as we worked on the programming. Um, it came about those mediums, but also became about just emerging voices. Mm-hmm. And uh, as this as this franchise probably hopefully grows year over year. Um, I'm excited about also highlighting, like, non-traditional voices of people who are coming out. We have leaders of the women's movement coming. We have Martellus Bennett, who is one of the NFL players who have, you know, been taking a knee and whatnot, Um, and uh, some cool voices in that regard, Mm -hmm. and um, so we're we're really stoked, but really stoked to have you there with with Hip Hop Royalty.
2: Yeah, I'm excited, so uh, thank you for inviting me to do the show. I was... I was ex- excited about that. I've done a few on stage and, and I want to do more and it's um I always learn something about myself every time I get up there. Yeah. Uh and then and then we got Ali Shaheed Mohammed yes. from Tribe Called Quest, who's a hero of mine. Me too. And um that's that's gonna be that's gonna be great. It's literally
1: like the dopest get
2: of the festival. I'm super Is that stoked. Right? Yeah, I mean there's right.
1: I mean there's a lot of people I'm fans of, but on a personal note, you know, I'm a hip hop head and, and do you, do there's nothing there's no that? group more important to me than a tribe called Quest. Yeah. And um, and not only that, but Ali Shaheed Muhammad kind of represents the storytelling beyond his, his pedigree with that group, but yeah. you know, with the podcast, yeah. with his work scoring Luke Cage, mm-hmm. um, and, and more, you know, I think that's, so that's television and the, not just television, but you know, the new exciting form of uh, streaming television and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then the podcast, which he's done for a couple of different networks and platforms uh, and of course his music pedigree. So I'm over the moon about
2: it. He seems like an unlikely guy to to do microphone check. Yeah. mean, I love the show. I think it's great. Um, some of my favorite interviews have been on that show. But, uh, and I don't know that much about him, so I'm going to learn a lot about him yeah. thanks to you. Um, yeah, you
1: know, say, people can say the same about you, though, because you, you all have, yeah. James and I were talking about this, you all have, like, similar chill demeanors. Oh, yeah. You know, like, uh, so I love that. I think that's that's a rarity when when there's a lot of people who have a big voice online or um, screaming or... Have like a shtick that yeah. is supposed to bring, you know, they think is going to bring more clicks to their content. I think it's cool to have people who are themselves who are just curious about other people and, and they, but aren't but also have a few stories to tell. So,
2: uh, cool. Well, I'm excited to do that. That's yeah. uh April 21st,
1: April 21st, 22nd. You're on yeah. the 21st at yeah, yeah. one, I think, or 1:30? who else is
2: on the show? What give me some?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, other folks we've got, we've got uh Moby in conversation with Bob Lefsitz
2: nice. uh, also on the podcast
1: stage um we've got lucinda williams with scott goldman from the grammy museum oh. uh, we have the folks from mortified um mm-hmm. who tell stories across books and, yeah, yeah dave's you know, been on the show oh dope love yeah I'm, i love him i, I also just uh, he's been so cool to prepare his panel with he has, right? a, he has the sickest panel about um conversations around teen angst and oh, cool. uh and entertainment yeah, he's so he's the has, guy for that he has the creator along with him uh the showrunner for saved by the bell and oh, yeah. uh who's you know has worked on a million other great yeah, shows sure. including like happy days and stuff and then um older guy and then um uh the the female creator of um on my block and oh, cool. of uh mtv's awkward so nice. that's i think that's gonna be a super cool conversation uh, we've got this, uh the second city coming we have um a bunch of other cool podcasts we have uh anara george from the bird and the bee mm-hmm um bandana Hart, who has a show called we speak dance is going to have like a dance performance talk about storytelling as dance i mentioned some of the more activist oriented stuff bunch of panels multicultural content creators um the whole nine so it's uh it's gonna be a really fun time
2: nice well okay. for anyone who's in la uh 21st 22nd of april come out to the la times festival of books news story for sure. Come, come see Rebel Radio and, and come see a bunch of No other doubt. And Pete,
1: the whole lineup at uh, latimes.com slash news story. You can see it there.
2: Dope. Dope. All right, let's talk about you. All right. Um, well, I always like to start and kind of dig into to what kind of person you are. And obviously, we've known each other for a long time. And, and uh, you're, you're one of the people that, like, there's just so many layers. And always a new, interesting story that I would never have imagined. Well, oh, thanks. Um, like uh, rapping your wedding vows that, that video was incredible uh, just as an example but um, so let's go back kind of to, to the beginning tell me about falling in love with music for the first time
1: Oh, for sure um, I mean well I'm from a small town in North Dakota called Mandan so um, even as a young kid it was just about uh, I'm really thankful for where I grew up in a lot of ways but I just looked for every opportunity I could to to get out of state. <laughs> so I was sure. like, join any group, apply for any competition, do anything that like gets you on a bus somewhere or on a you know gets you to Minneapolis or wherever. Right. And um, that's the big city close by. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Close by meaning like six, seven hours. Yeah. Oh wow. Um and, uh, so music was the way of the less uh less costly, more frequent version of that. Right. Mm-hmm. so, um, the, I think that my first music I fell in love with. There's a couple summers there where it was like Phil Collins, Michael Jackson, uh-huh. Fat Boys, nice. BC Boys, Licensed to Ill. Um, you know that and that and that was cool. Um, what all the music had in common was basically steady drum beat. Hip hop in particular uh had that ability to get me from my geography to someone else's experience and and like really i mean it's changing my life big time i mean it was this was nineteen eighty five ish and I'm, I'm in the small town of North Dakota, and I'm listening to you know you know old school public enemy records and hearing about stuff I had never heard about in school, or yeah. to my family, or anywhere else, and uh, some of which I didn't understand, and some of which I'm still learning about, uh, frankly, but um, that that planted some seeds in my developing brain mm. that, that completely changed everything about me.
2: Um, what was the, um, being, what was, what did it mean to be a hip hop fan in that setting where you grew up? Yeah,
1: it was kind of funny. It's It was interesting as, as, I mean, as hip-hop kind of blew up from early, you know, mid-80s to to now. Um, uh, in the beginning days, I remember it was like, kids, my junior high yearbook is all littered with things like, you're going to be a great
2: rapper. You know, it's like terrible.
1: Right? Yeah, because we would, like, perform at all the school shows. Yeah. And, um, oh, so you a rapping. Yeah, okay. yeah, and would dance and yeah. stuff. Not very well, probably, but, you know. Um, uh, but anyone who knows me fairly well... See me perform Mama Said Knock You Out somewhere uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, there's, you know, hundreds of videos, this is still a, a monthly occurrence now okay. today, but, um, but it was back then too, you know, I mean, I was literally on the, uh, our, our junior high basketball team um, had an all-female cheerleading squad and I mm-hmm. would go out and do a selected lines from Elo Cool J on Bad on stage at the junior high basketball games Amazing. um so it was kind of i was like a novelty probably though to my peers to sure. answer your question um what's interesting about it is i I, you know grew up with a bunch of kids who were also into hip-hop including yeah. you know my best friend and uh growing up eric piella his older brother was in a uh a, a rap group What we called it uh called ready and willing which uh had like gotten audience with like puffy Uh um and the craig mack
2: you know early days
1: and like and he's like a kid from north dakota who happened to you know he was like the 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 john b of his hip-hop group kind of guy but um as a result like you know i'm listening i was reading the source back back you know 90 or so i i imagine i'm gotta be one of no more than five people who subscribed to the source in north dakota in 1990 yeah um And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was cool. Um, and it was interesting to see as, as folks, you know, and I also, what was interesting, you know, mainstream rap was so popular was Hammer Mm -hmm. and whatever. And I never, I still don't hate on that stuff. I, I, I think Hammer is the most underrated in the game. Um, uh, just because people refuse to acknowledge the significance of that era, uh, that, that, that pop rap, but, um, it was really fun and got the party started. So,
2: (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you know you sort of describe trying purposely to be an outsider, right? And I think you know a lot of the stories we've heard about people that you know, like hip hop was outsider music for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And uh, and I think a lot of the a lot of the stories are people who felt like outsiders to begin with, and then therefore were sort of drawn to hip hop as their soundtrack or their or their um and then they formed a community around that. Almost sounds like you for you is kinda like the opposite, because you were um it sounded like there wasn't a hip hop community. No. Where you were growing up and so it was you.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's a you know, a dozen of my friends too. Yeah. So, who all of which are have done something related to industry some of them several of which work work in hip hop and labels now. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was it was yeah, it was different than that. We weren't rebelling from anything but um I like to think my consumption of uh, and 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 you know self self declared citizenship in hip hop um, came from an interest in um, in travel and service. I think mm. It sounds so weird, but it was like I wanted no experiences that weren't my own, yeah. and and not from you know from a very positive standpoint, mm-hmm. and then also. Um, there were important stories being told by people who weren't getting to tell stories elsewhere. Yeah. And I wanted to be a part of that. Um, However that meant, if that meant buying CDs or, or, or or getting singles or, or, you know, nowadays that means trying to put my money into artists I think are doing cool things. But that, that, I guess that's again, that's funny. I mean, it sounds so serious of an answer, but that was true at like, 12 maybe you know yeah
2: um how do you do that now how do you how do you find uh what'd you say find stories that aren't your own like what does that look like today
1: i mean part of that is just like uh being really social with others and asking what they're into and looking for things that are um different from whatever i'm already into so a lot of times now that means I mean, I almost exclusively listen to hip hop. I want to be one of those people who says, you know, oh, I listen to all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I like I don't. I listen okay. to hip hop almost exclusively. But um, so I make a conscious effort now. New to and do the old. Opposite. Yeah, new and old. I mean, a lot of old. But yeah. yeah. And and I'll but I'll say, you know, now I'm like trying to say, you know, to my wife who also likes hip hop but likes other stuff. Like, what are you what are you into right now? She's mm-hmm. like, Macintosh Brown. Who, who the hell is that? I don't know who that is. Okay, listen to it. Oh, this is this isn't bad. You know. Yeah. it's it's different music for a different time and place sure. um and that's just on music but on all uh-huh. things it's like um what's interesting in my own conversations asking people you know what are you into right now have you are you working on anything creatively or what have you read or whatever and then also listening to other great media that's asking those questions including rebel radio yeah you know, my, my favorite one of my favorite segments is when you get into at the end like you know what are you watching? What do you listen to? That kind of sure. thing. Um, I'm often hitting pause on the, you know, pulling over on my oh, car, nice. pull, hitting pause and being like, oh, God, I haven't heard of that book. i got to get that's that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, that. That's cool. Yeah. At least look at, I it. at it. At least that. read a review of it right. or something so I can at least kind of appetizer sample that yeah. that other, you know, things that have had a big impact on others.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, can we talk about the Israel trip? Yeah. Sure. So, because that's kind of an example of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, Tell tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I applied for a, um, a th- uh, it's called a reality trip, I think, from the Schusterman Foundation, um, where I'll be joining about 50 other storytellers on a trip to Israel in June um, to, and I, th- I believe the agenda is that we meet, you know, a TV station, some creatives, mm. um, all kinds of different storytellers in Israel. Um, and that's, on the surface, kind of a random thing for me to do. I'm... I've never been to Israel, never been to the region. I'm 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 not Jewish. I'm I'm not previously affiliated with this organization, mm-hmm. but I'm super intellectually curious and um and and the and the the storytelling in this foundation is grounded in service um yeah. as well. It's uh from a values a cultural perspective and which vibes well with mine. And um I'm just what I'm I'm stoked about, you know, a lot of people be like, oh take a week off work, fly across the country with a bunch of strangers, I don't know, you know. But I'm just like the know, serendipity. That amazing. It does sound amazing. Right? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't undersell it very well. Um, but the um, the serendipity that can come from that yeah. is exciting, and I just, I'm, I go into those kind of situations with a lot of confidence that uh, someone in that, in a, amongst that 50, or someone I meet there or whatever, is going to be a lifelong or decade-long collaborator. And all kinds of things will happen. I mean, that's, sure. again, this isn't unique to me. This is like all of us. That's how we, uh, you, your, your partner, your spouse, your, your friends or whatever, it all comes through random serendipity a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just like to press the gas on it and enhance that a little bit more um, by putting myself in positions, making investments and in things, serving, um, and just trying to be deliberate about it.
2: Yeah, but one of the things that stands out to me is like you seem to have no fear like, from getting up on stage, like, as a kid, which I didn't know that yeah. you'd <laughs> done, to, to now, to, you know, karaoke, to, like, flying across the country with a bunch of strangers or across the world. Like, uh, from the outside, you look pretty fearless.
1: Yeah, I mean, thanks for saying that, but uh, I don't know if that's very true either. I think what's what separates me from a lot of the uh, culture-shaping storytellers and content creators that I admire and try to you know, support is that they, they really seem to have no fear. They go out and put in the, the 10,000 hours to do their craft well, sure. whereas, um, I have a, and it's worked out pretty well for me in life, so I'm not mad at myself, but, um, I operate out of fear a lot. I, I'll, I'll often look at the array of options. I'm a really interested person. I'm somewhat interesting, but I'm more interested than I am interesting. Mm. And. I'll look at the array of things, paths, or opportunities that that are in front of me that have me pretty excited. How am I going to spend my Monday? All right, I could do a lot of things. Well, I could go talk to Josh. All right, well, that sounds more interesting. Um, and I do, of that array of things, which one feels safe and I, I feel like has the best worst case scenario and also has good out you know good positive outcomes. Um, but that and that's worked out pretty well to take the. the the safest of the exciting options. Okay. But sometimes I do. Want, if I if I could, delete that fear or use that fear as motivation, you know maybe there's maybe sometimes there's a more exciting option in that set that I'm some, not. Can you think of something you doing.
2: you would have done had you not been
1: afraid um, of it? Well, I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. You know, most of the folks who are, in my uh, peer set, uh, or people I admire are entrepreneurial um and that they own that they they publish their own media or they um own their own business or they run their own agencies or they do their own podcasts and i do a lot of that stuff but i often don't um attach my name to things as directly as that on an Mm -hmm. ongoing basis Mm -hmm. and um so if i i feel like you know I'll, i'll take a victory lap say i think i've been an early adopter on a bunch of stuff um you know this is a weird example but in college i i had some deep internships with the sustainability framework that before everyone was talking about sustainability and you know 10 years probably before inconvenient truth and all that mm-hmm. and i was like that was a thing i was gonna go really deep on that as a career for for a year <laughs> that was the thought i had sure. but instead i was a tourist who dabbled in that and instead of going deep on you know well who knows what kind of impact or and and wealth i could have created had i gotten involved or you know but yeah. Of, so, but so for better, it's a, it's a for me, it's like a, a continuum of like depth, depth versus um, breadth. Okay. And if I can, and I've I've chosen to go mostly on the side of breadth. Yeah. And you know, I change up my career path every, you know, half decade. I change jobs every few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I take all those experience with me, and I'm really happy with how that's created my life and my career. Um, but if I really dedicated myself, you know, for 10 years to the same idea I'm pretty Maybe. sure it would win
2: Yeah. Hey I hope you're enjoying this one uh, if you are let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives check out my interview with Dave Nadelberg he's the founder of Mortified the Mortified podcast Mortified events they got TV shows it's uh, people on stage sharing their most embarrassing stories from their childhood It's amazing thing and Dave is also going to be one of the featured podcasts at New Story at Festival of Books this Saturday, April 21st, in Los Angeles. Come out and see Rebel Radio, see me and Ali Shaheed Mohammed, see Dave Nadelberg and Mortified. Get tickets now at events.latimes.com.
1: So, I mean, this is funny, just a, a family story that we don't talk about very often. My dad was in the, uh, was in the Air Force and he had a part time job at McDonald's in mm-hmm. Topeka, Kansas, it was way before I was born. And McDonald's there were like this is when there were like ten thousand McDonalds in the world or something. Sure. And he had a chance to open up the first franchises in Seattle. It would have wow. been a ton of money. And yeah. the decision my parents made at the time was like, Oh, that's a little too risky. We should probably go back to Man, uh-huh. North Dakota and raise a family. We'll just think of what their life would be like now. Yeah. You know? Um, that's so I don't know if it's a family trait to uh-huh. like take the uh the road um, the most attractive safe option or not, but yeah, that's that's I would like to try to turn you know take the decision. I would like to make the decision I'm a little more fearful of moving forward.
2: Mm. Yeah, interesting. But what's
1: interesting is because I like, so this this safe approach I take um, means that I find myself in oftentimes in organizations that are viewed as relatively safe, like right. nowadays I'm at the Los Angeles Times. It's yeah. Like, you know 130 plus year institution um but then i find myself being the rebel within that safe job sure. it's like trying to challenge what we're doing there or, yeah. or um and and create new products and experiences there
2: i mean uh, you know i think that's a really important role first of all i wouldn't have a business where not for people like that because you know over the last 20 years my clients the brand clients i've worked with are all people who want a safe corporate job and they also want to stir some shit up right which is why they come to me right and so uh so i'm thankful for that (laughs) like i'm glad that that exists but also in the bigger picture i think those companies need that too right like they need not everyone can go out and start their own business and that's not to say that there's not that people couldn't but there have to also be big companies that do things at scale that sure you know move pieces of machinery all over the world and, you know, yep. all the stuff that big companies do, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times when people go on their own, it's because um, something about them, either a, a deep passion or whatever it might be, makes it so they almost can't work for anyone else. And, um, yeah. and so that's one of the things I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I very much view myself as an entrepreneur and entrepreneurially, mm-hmm. entrepreneurially minded.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I'm also pretty good at navigating organizations, building relationships, managing up, all right. that. And like, those are those are human stuff. Those are two really right.
2: important skill sets that are. So different. if I
1: went on my own and like you know, you and me and James decided we're gonna go create our own media company, then um which is not a bad idea but i uh, i'm going to i'm going to i i benefit from having hundreds of people to riff off of mm-hmm. the resources of that and to 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 improvise within whatever waves and of narrative that are happening within the organization about who we are and what we do okay. um in a smaller group or as a solo entrepreneur i would struggle to have that to reaction to react to i need like Absolutely. you know it's like an improv actor by by him or herself right.
2: versus in the in a troupe right. and i need a troupe yeah interesting so let's talk about that at the Times, how that's playing out, because I know uh, one of the things that you've done since you've been there was build the Dirty John podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely is... a big group effort, but yeah. Of course. Yeah, we, we have a new initiative called the Los Angeles Times Studios, okay. and that's our um, our production arm. So we, uh, we partnered with, uh, on Originals, we partnered with uh, our friends at Herzog & Company. They're the folks behind... CNN's the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s oh, Decade cool. Series, yeah. and a bunch of other really great stuff we've seen. Um, so we're, and then we've we partnered with other partners as well. Uh, Dirty John was a piece of journalism prepared by LA Times reporter Christopher Goffard following a um, uh, the story of a con man in Orange County um, and the, his, uh, this, who marries this woman, Deborah, and then her attempts to get uh, her life back together, and, and then ultimately they get some revenge on him. Mm-hmm. Um, this performed super well. We had a uh, 23 million listens on wow. the podcast, um, I, one of the top podcasts 2017, and then more recently got optioned uh, by NBC Universal, uh, not optioned, purchased, mm-hmm. um, and it's going into development. Uh, Connie Britton is playing uh, Deborah in it. Um, that'll be so. We have a two year deal with. Uh, Bravo, and then there'll be a companion documentary series on Oxygen. That's amazing. Um, so what's cool about it, you know, is that we're mining hundred plus years of great intellectual property and turning that into entertainment product that yeah. we can better monetize. Yeah. Um, that goes, you know, that's that's counter to what uh, most people would think of from the LA Times. So sure. you know, we're, we happen to be coming out of the gate with a few hits, but we'll definitely have some, you know, some strikeouts too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so again, per my you know strategy to take the safe route within a, a set of exciting options, um, creating these this entertainment product is super exciting. But to mitigate our risk and to take it to play it safe, we'll probably continue to develop more narrative podcasts. Some of which will go on to you know make it through the development cycle sure. and yeah, yeah. find their find their
2: way to a cineplex near you or whatever. So talk about what that means to have, because um, so that shows a hit uh, which if you were on your own, right, that would be a game changer. Meaning, you know, it it puts you on the map and you're able to build, right? If you're an entrepreneur building a podcast or a content business and you had a dirty John, right? Like all of a sudden you're in a different business. So, but what does that mean in the context of a big organization like LA time?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first we couldn't. I, I don't even know if that success would be possible on our own because okay. we needed the we we, we co-produced that with uh, our friends at Wondery Media, mm-hmm. a, a really great network here, and um, it's the perfect storm of an awesome, a great story, compelling story that connects into um, conversations people are having about the relationship between men and women, and 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 the bad actors amongst men sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was serendipitous for the content's success. Also, uh, Wondery's great network of shows gave it the initial burst. Um, Apple got behind it and started promoting it because the LA Times is on it, and they like the idea of kind of legacy media consumers mm. who read the LA Times okay. maybe listening to their first ever podcast. Which sure. I'm sure, I'm sure those twenty you know twenty three million listeners, yeah, yeah. a lot of them are the first Some podcasts they ever listened to. Yeah. So within our organization, though, it's tough. You know, we um, and and. and It's the reason why, you know, I love journalism, why, you know, back when I was a youngster, I always wanted to be a journalist. We can talk about it if you want. But um, they're not into, like, monetizing product. They're there to, like, tell the stories that the community needs to hear and to report accurately and fairly on those things. (laughs) So there was, you know, there's some, I don't say resistance, but some, um, it's not as easy as it might be at, at other media companies. Where everyone is just trying to figure out how do we sling this content to make money to keep the doors open, mm-hmm. um, folks here we have we have a steady religion about what journalism is, right. and uh, and it's it's tough. Um, so uh, you asked me what it's like within the LA Times, I mean wins help. Um, so we have a uh, we got a big win, and now there's yeah. some momentum to do more, and we got to figure out how we're going to do it right. in a way that respects what journalism is all about, but also
2: uh, keeps the lights on. Well, because that's one of the things. I think the challenges of innovation within these big companies, right, is that small wins from an innovation perspective are really important, right? But from a financial perspective, they don't matter too much, right? Mm -hmm. Even in, I don't know what kind of money, Dirty John Bain, but like when you're a publicly traded company, you need consistent, steady growth. These kind of one-off things are sometimes even counterproductive.
1: Yeah, right cuz it makes the next quarter more right. difficult or the year over year part. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean that's why I'd love to say in you know, I I'm, I'm, I I to say I figured this out but I, in my role at the LA Times as you know, head of strategy, I'd like to figure out how do we create a larger number of smaller bets? Mm-hmm. Um mitigate risk but also to get more data on what works and there's uh yeah. and uh and just have more opportunities for serendipity that can happen um uh you know again just like whether it be going to israel or do whatever random things i like to do to increase my network i wish that i think large organizations if they can um metaphorically take down their walls and collaborate with more people outside of their walls um good things can happen yes that product that was the focus of your effort is important it's good to have focus it generates enthusiasm and momentum um but also not having such tunnel vision to say that success you know rides or dies on that project. it could be that you know some experiment we do on the side doesn't work quote unquote because it doesn't generate revenue or make its money back, but maybe it was the kernel of some other thing that Absolutely. totally shifts our whole business and yes. changes the entire game yeah. um, I, I think that's we I would like to have more of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, one. I mean, I. You know, Valley Towns is moving from a publicly traded company more now to a privately held company. that's right. sales, uh, I'm being put through right now, I believe. Um, and uh, I'm ex- I think, I'm really excited about the new ownership. Additionally, no matter who the new owner is, I'm excited about private ownership because
2: mm-hmm. there's more. There's theoretically more opportunity for that sort of experimentation. Let's go so back a little yeah. bit to how you got to this point so uh one thing i learned about you reading uh reading up that i didn't know in our friendship was that Mm -hmm. you'd been a white house intern yeah um for for clinton white house yep uh so what'd you learn from being from a white house internship
1: um gosh uh that was uh you know that was the end of the Clinton administration so uh, most of the staffers were on take using their vacation days so that they could work on the campaign okay so i was it was pretty funny i was like very self-managed end of the second term end of the second term yeah, yeah. so yeah. um this was during the recount and mm-hmm. all that i was like i was in the room next door to the, the when gore conceded the election wow um was working on a report like yeah. by myself yeah yeah um what i learned there you know i learned that um well, that was a rare thing you know as a kind of a hot shot kid growing up and, and I did well in my in my small pond big fish in a small pond kind of youth yeah um that was a there were a lot of stellar kids who were interns there and what I learned there was actually sometimes pick your spots on when you're gonna try to peacock out there and mm-hmm. show who you are I that was probably one of the least uh, visible things I'd ever done like right. I just worked my face off on some e-commerce report that we were doing that talked about the role of e-commerce from 1992 to 2000, and um, and you know I just didn't get paid. I just drank free White House soda uh-huh. and ate a one-dollar McChicken for lunch every day, and yeah. uh, you know was on a solid budget of what, twelve dollars a week for food, sure. and um, and just working hard and realizing that that short-term investment um, into a what you know appears to be a prestigious internship um will be something that people will continue to ask me about 20 years
2: later yeah of course um
1: and you know that's which is kind of cool for someone who likes to entertain and be on stage and be the life of the party um that was a the intangible lesson I got from that was you know you don't have to do that every single time <laughs> right it's time to take a st-
2: uh a yeah yeah, sure I mean what a it seems like such a once-in-a-lifetime experience
1: yeah it was awesome
2: yeah yeah um had you, like, were, were you thinking about that as a as a step towards the life in politics?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll always have some involvement in that. I'm, right now I'm involved with a group called New Leaders Council uh-huh. uh, that's developing um, professional development for progressive leaders. Mm. Um, we have a really cool event coming up June 2nd uh, at Self-Help Graphics in, nice. in Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. a fundraiser. Um, so check that out. But um, I'll always have some role in there. I think I'm less interested in being elected office and just rather serving in whatever capacity. Pull the strings. (laughs) No, I mean (laughs) no, not not even from that. Just from a service. The same thing that appealed to me about you know hip hop that we talked about earlier is I think there are certain um, there are people in all fields that that are there to serve and there are others that are there to take and I'm interested in the ones that are there to serve Um, and that includes politics. Yeah. So.
2: So, uh, I'm glad you brought up hip-hop again, because I know you're friends with the Rhyme Shares crew and, and have been involved with them over the years.
1: It's the caffeine, the nicotine, the milligrams of tar, it's my habitat, it
0: needs to be cleaned. It's my car, it's the fast talk they use to abuse and feed my brain. It's the cat box, it needs to be changed. It's the pain, it's women, it's the plight for power, it's government. It's the way you're giving knowledge slow with thought control and subtle hints. It's rubbing it, itching it, it's applying cream. It's the foreigners sightseeing with high beams. It's in my dreams.
1: It's the monsters that I conjure. It's the marijuana. My relationship it's with those man- guys has evolved over the years in part because of mar- social media. So it's, it's like, you know, my friends and I will be the guys in the shows in LA or New York, Chicago, or wherever I lived at the time, Um wearing a twins hat, always representing Minnesota when the Minnesota artists come through and eventually over time built a you know relationship as acquaintance with some of the artists um some of my friends ended up doing work with them on the label side mm. um uh, I built a website for them a hip hop karaoke website called atmosphere karaoke no way um and and it's gone on and on and on They're supporting their festival supporting the work and now and just blossomed into a friendship over time but uh what's again back to the serendipity mantra that I have um excuse me um is that you know, I could just be another guy who goes to a show, but even at a show, I'm seeking genuine connection with whoever it is on stage or whoever, anyone that want, is open to a genuine connection. And so even the folks, I even artists that I grew up, um, you know, coming of age in college, admiring and wanting to be around and wanting to be like, um, I could still seek to serve them. Mm-hmm. could still try to support their artistry, big up their releases. Um, be a genuine human being toward them. And over time, some of the time they'll, they'll end up being some of your closest friends Sure. and they'll end up coming to your wedding and, and you'll, you know, and, and it, it'll be a deeper relationship than, you know, retweeting. Um, yeah, but, but I, you know, social media gets a bad rap because it's about, it's said that it's about superficiality or making people feel lesser than you and bragging. I, I, I see that side of it, but I, that's not been my experience. My experience has been, um, it allows for serendipity of positive outcomes that mm. is not a part of any other medium. You know, you you hand me one-year-old articles from rap pages or something, and some serendipity can come from that. I can say, "Oh, Josh Levine wrote this. I'm gonna hit this guy up." Mm-hmm. And I have a story like that. You know, one of the reasons I got in hip hop early on, I I read uh, "Bomb the Suburbs" and "No More Prisons." Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I sent. Uh, I wrote billy or upski yeah. a physical letter after i read it he had his address in the first yeah, inside yeah. cover so i wrote him a physical letter saying hey moon in chicago man. anyone i should meet and he goes yeah i meet my buddy max Benitez. max Benitez. he was doing a hip-hop documentary he put me on with a bunch of guys where, where i met a bunch of like rhyme Starr's adjacent characters mm-hmm. who then you know that gave me more credibility when i met those guys um none of those stories in particular are so notable except that like you just keep putting positive friendly vibes out there the dots will connect down the road five years 10 years 15 years later that you in ways that you never could have expected or even would have wanted to have predicted yeah um and you know that's 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 kind of my relationship to hip-hop and all my career stuff and how it all weaves together
2: that's Uh, funny i think i reviewed bomb the suburbs for herb magazine nice i still have in my boxes of full of shit i still have the the galley proof that that nice. Hubsky sent me. Nice. Yeah, that was great.
1: Yeah, and then he's also really involved in politics too. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... And all those things are connected, you know. I think yeah. it's about good people. Um, you know, yeah, just connected.
2: So, and then... Uh, I know you ran social media. I think when we met, you were running social media maybe for one of the biggest agencies in the world. I, I know you've done that a couple times. Um, yeah. So what drew you into social
1: yeah yeah i got so you know career-wise i started out doing journalism stuff as a kid um moved out here after uh, working for david bowie and the white house and then didn't know what What'd to you do. do for bowie oh i worked for a internet startup called ultra star uh-huh that
2: we're Is that uh, the one that took him around bowie net and yep oh, all that stuff yeah okay
1: yeah, i came right after they went public after okay. he went public with himself and um so you're a bowie fan yeah i mean just well bowie's actually the classic example of the kind of person i want to be or would want to be like In that he's not only because he's you know amazing and talented yeah. and all that but um his ability to reinvent from album to album from from phase to phase yeah. is what makes artists you know from music tip Bowie, Prince, I'll put Neil Young in that category, I'll put Connie West in that category of people who you might not like different iterations of their career. Yeah. You might not like the Dylan Electric period, but he wouldn't be Dylan if he didn't do it.
2: Mm. And um, that's how I felt about Yeezus. Yeah. When I heard it, and, and like everyone was bitching about it, and like I was like, he's gonna be really glad he made this record in 20 years.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I totally think that. I think yeah. that's, and that's what I want, you know. In my, you know, non-brilliant, non-artist version of that is I'm trying to create my own, you know, okay. Kanye or Bowie anthology, discography of, of hits and stories. Yeah. And I'm like, so I want, you know, I want my, you know, grandkids or something someday to say, oh, yeah, Grandpa Clint or my friends call me Cleto, Grandpa Cleto will say, uh... You know, he did this thing, he did politics for a while, and then he did the social stuff, and then he did this, and who knows what's next. And I would like what I'm doing five years from now to be radically different than what I'm doing right now. Wow. I'd like to be an evolution of it and sure. to benefit from these experiences, but I'll be, you know, life's too short to stay in one lane forever. Yeah.
2: Um, um, but, so, real quick, favorite Bowie song?
1: Oh, man. Um,
2: or Or the first one... I mean, just
1: well. The, my first uh, experience with Bowie was uh, I had Columbia House or BMG Music Club or something. Uh-huh. If you don't send the thing in soon enough, they send you something. Oh yeah, yeah. And I got like a some Bowie. Album. Like it was like a like it was a, like a mid-career greatest hits. Album. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I don't need this, David Bowie. I'm trying to get <laughs> I'm trying to get Silk or okay. <laughs> Color Me Bad or something. Why why do I get this album? And uh, and I was like, oh, this is gr- this is great. And then it only like a year or two later, I was like. Oh, these are the beats to every diddy song right, right. <laughs> or whatever. Sure. You know, um so I, yeah, there's like uh you know, but I, I like I like the stuff with Trent Reznor. Um mm. you know, that's kind of not commonly thought of as uh right as his as his go-to's, but I like that stuff.
2: For me, so I you know, it's just an age thing. So you know, I remember the video for Let's Dance. shoes and dance the blues dance, dance to the song that's playing on the radio a a game changer and yeah i love that song but as far as i knew that was the first that was the first record he'd ever put out yeah yeah like because i'm 11 or nah, it was like 12 or whatever yeah. and like i just didn't know that there had been this guy before that.
1: But isn't that cool? So back to the metaphor of like Bowie's career versus like the lives and careers of normal people like ourselves. Yeah. Is that, that says that he really is reinventing if that could even be true. Because if, if the, but we was popular at the time that you heard less dance. If all those other stuff sounded like that, anyone you experience it with would be like, oh, this is like a mediocre version of the thing you did before. Sure. But every when you're recreating constantly creating, you have the chance to kind of start anew with different audiences. Mm-hmm. And and like in most careers and office jobs and whatnot, it's not thought that you can do that. It's like, right. oh, it's 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 a super risky thing. They're gonna fire you or they're not gonna like it. I actually think that you could argue that the super risky move is to not Try to reinvent yourself in your day job because then you will just get old and discarded eventually. Um, I think the the safer move is to, you know, not do not to do it recklessly, but to look for you know white space or, or mm-hmm. open lanes in that institution and say, hey, we have a need here. You don't know how to fill it. You don't know how to hire for it. I have a displayed interest in it. Let me let me take twenty percent of my time to go after that sure. and experiment with it and I think um, any reasonable employer is going to say alright as long as you get your other work done let's give it a shot you know dabble right. with it right. and if they don't want to say that then you're probably not in the right job um, but you asked me about the social and how I got yeah, yeah. you know back the uh, I got in you know I worked in politics and kind of doing things I thought were like um, and labor unions and stuff that were like very directly positively impacting the world around them um, I switched jobs to be to to join a uh, what was arguably one of the first social media agencies, M80 mm-hmm. out here, and and you know the day before that I had uh, two days before that I had run the independent expenditure campaigns for three school board races here in L.A. big big time dollar campaigns. I won two, feeling really good about it. And nice. the next day, um, I'm at this job doing a DVD promotion for Revenge of the Nerds, the Panty Raid edition. <laughs> and I thought, what the hell have I done with my life?
2: But I hey you know, Revenge of the Nerds was an important. <laughs> <movie>. <laughs>
1: Judy's a nice name Gilbert yeah she's a nice girl big deal did you get in her pants she's not
2: that kind of a girl booger why does she have a penis
1: it was an important movie but what was even more important to me was that I did I think then and I I think now that like social media has this opportunity to transform the relationship between brands and consumers governments and constituents um organizations and supporters and to like actually have a two-way conversation back and forth now the social platforms have been overtaken largely by advertising um as they went public and whatnot and that kind of sucks but i think that the that social mindset of um using technology or just in person gatherings or parties or whatever it is to to mix up a different relationship between um you know those supposedly in power and those who are not um, is helpful so for an organization like the la times that might mean um, let, let's keep you know. Let's keep our standards exactly as they are. But how do we create a better relationship with our readers or non-readers for story ideas or mm-hmm. capturing their mm-hmm. stories or
2: capturing their video and photos? Do you still um, feel like social has that um, that power that you described?
1: You know, I mean that yeah, that was very two thousand nine sounding. But I think it's like I, I think that like social media, capital S, capital M, is not. It ain't what it was. But right. I think that, like, literally media that drives social positive social behavior is what I'm interested no, in. I get it. it. You know I, what I'm saying? I get what you're
2: saying. I, I guess I'm wondering, like, so uh, from a... Like, in theory, what you're saying is true. I guess what I'm wondering is, do you see a path to that practically from where we are today to there being media that has that capability that
1: to... yeah I'm, I'm, I am I'm remain bullish on it I think um, I, I just have I have small examples every single day yesterday mm-hmm. I was tweeting out and posting about this mm-hmm. LA Times uh, festival books new story festival and um, I'm tagging folks in posts you know Linda Perry and um, and all sorts of interesting people who are then engaging with me and I'm right. having conversation with them I had conversation yeah. with the creator of Netflix's on my block yesterday nice I that's she was going to be at my festival, regardless, but I probably wouldn't meet her. but right. now we had this one exchange, yeah. and next time I see her again we we'll, it'll be a little warmer than it would have been, mm-hmm. and then we'll have another digital exchange probably sometime, and it'll get that much more warm and then who knows maybe we'll there'll be some form of a collaboration down the road right i just I think that's how all of it works, you know, even you and I knowing each other. Mm-hmm. It's not really about social media, I don't right. think we like are big tweeters at each other or anything like that. But um, the mutual acquaintances and friends that we have, um, those relationships remain warm, even though they might be on the other side of the country or wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that provides connective tissue for us to keep building and breaking bread and making things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, if I take, you know, it's not this panacea of like, you know, social is going to change, make things Easier for lazy people. You still got to go out and do the work sure, of and, course. and provide value. But um, I'm kind of excited that like so many people are jumping ship because that makes that allows those of us who ever really wanted to do it for the right reasons in the beginning yeah. um, to benefit from
2: that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I, I get that. I think it's um, I like the optimism. <laughs> uh, no, like I do. I appreciate it because I think it's easy to be really cynical about the whole thing. And you know, I'm reminded of this Wired article that i read back in probably 09 about space hmm. and it was kind of like do we have the ability to colonize space should we like it was this big broad discussion and the article said hey what we should do first is learn from how bad we fucked up the internet <laughs> and not do that again yeah right and right, right and and it, and it was the, to me it was the first time going oh there's something wrong with the internet i have no idea <laughs> right and then once <laughs> But you know, and they were like, Well, ninety eight percent of all email is spam, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, most of web traffic is fake or it's like there's all this nonsense, right?
1: Look, I mean and that's I, I'm I need to do more research on this myself, but like I'm pro yeah, we probably screwed up some stuff on the internet and I I think some some much needed regulation is probably part of the solution there. Sure. But what I choose to focus on in my day to day is my part of that. Yeah. And like of the reason I got a bunch of spam in my emails because I Sign up for some stupid contest or something that, like, well, I tried I'd to like get to... something that yeah, I shouldn't yeah, yeah. have, that I didn't deserve through effort. So, Fair enough. You know, and so let's, I'm going to, I clean up those things and then keep moving. Right. Um And still look at all those things as tools to connect. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just, I sound like such a grandpa right now, but it's like, don't no, the know. there's nothing wrong with that. I I say, do you ever get on, like, a flight and you're, like, complaining about your Wi-Fi and shit and you're, like, I'm going to be in London in right. 9 yeah, hours yeah, yeah. like sure. what's all wrong with me right all so that's how I feel about all this all the digital stuff that we're kind of talking about in grouping here it's like yeah i'm complaining about this or that but like i can communicate instantaneously with anybody anytime right that's the coolest thing ever <laughs> no i agree
2: i'm i'm only saying that's not the promise mhm right it could be bigger than that yeah like a, right the promise of evolution. social uh, you know, has not, I don't know. I was, I spoke at South by a few years back and on a panel about social media and it was a great moment. Cause I, I, my opening thoughts were that, um, you know, social media is a, is a new opportunity, creates new opportunities for communication that yep. is changing the world. And for brands, it's mostly been a huge waste of money. Mm -hmm. and like as a marketing vehicle right and then this guy stood up in the back and he was like let me read from josh levine's bio in the in the program for this panel it was like he does social media for for brands brands, wasting money (laughs) yeah it was amazing that he called me out that's Um, funny but you know but but it's i believed what i said right in that most of that social media is an advertising platform um is mostly bullshit.
1: Yeah, but so I can't both be true. Like, it's maybe it's like, maybe as a tool to talk at people, it's not as effective as marketers would have wanted. And they didn't make, maybe, you know, to what your point you made at that festival, maybe it, maybe the money wasn't there or the value wasn't there for the money spent. Um, but, but it's where I think it's way underutilized for brands and individuals as, as a listening tool and so like if i want to know something that's going on right in any geography or on any particular topic or whatever social makes it really easy for me to get in the room and Absolutely. listen to that conversation yeah. without having to spend a bunch of money and that those benefits no there's no like you know accountant with a calculator calculating all the time spent uh saved by engaging with communities, right, um, and
2: that's actually my that's listening. Actually, that's
1: where I think all the action is. You know what I'm saying? Like well, that's I want, actually yeah. my biggest complaint is okay. that
2: what brands should have done was use those tools 80 percent for listening. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? And what they did instead is said, "Oh, we have we have ad graphics that we need to get out, right. so let's do that."
1: Right, I mean, a, a book that I refer to a lot, and I teach at USC also about yeah. social media and stuff, and it, uh, one of the books, it's old school, it's 10 years old, it's called um, Groundswell by Charlene Lee, mm-hmm. and in yeah, there she talks great. about, um, I think there's like just eternal truths in that book about, yeah. and, and, and she she talks about, you know, first you gotta identify the people, then the objectives and the strategies, then the technologies, right. so don't start with what am I gonna do in Facebook, it's like where are you gonna, that's pretty yes. obvious, but the, within the objectives line, it was uh, listening, talking, energizing, supporting and embracing mm-hmm. so as long if you start with listening then yes you do have license to go talk with people and share what you're up to because you have just like any good dinner party you come in there you ask people where they're from you know if what chips they brought to the party or whatever show a little bit of care for them and then they ask about you and then mm-hmm. you get to tell them about you but then you can go even further and really work and embrace and support communities um, to, such that they almost become indistinguishable from your own effort yeah. and they are ride or die with you and that is like, if a brand could figure out how to do that, that would really provide them, that wouldn't inoculate them from dips in their business or, you know, would give them some license in the event that something does go wrong, mm-hmm. that there'd be a community of people who
2: have their back. Mm-hmm. You know, storytelling is obviously a huge buzzword Yeah. Um, for brands. And I'm still, I mean, I'm still not sure that marketers know what that means. Mm. Um
1: well, I mean, what I think what really makes marketers uncomfortable about it
2: is is this.
1: This is something I learned from uh, Mike Bonifer. He has a really great group called Big Story. Mm-hmm. You should check it out. So he talks about how how stories can't be all positive. That's a, that's a boring story. Right. So my way of saying it, I think I jacked this from someone, is that, like, Batman's more interesting. There's a reason why Batman movies are on top of the box office every time. Um, and Superman has a more mixed record of success, and hmm. said the only thing interesting about Superman is Kryptonite. Right. Um, he's too perfect, yeah. and or you know, and, and his like orphan story is also interesting. So it's only the weaknesses of these characters mm-hmm. that actually make them interesting. Mm-hmm. Nobody just wants to see someone kill it all the time, right. and the brands want to kill it all the time. There's, no, there's yeah. no, They rarely want to say there's a challenge. Whereas the interesting part, so when a company has a misstep or are just flat there's an opportunity for them to, to, it has to be done, you know, elec- you don't want to, you know, badmouth yourself, I guess, but, um, to truly be a storyteller, you need to have several acts in the story. Right. And not all of them are going to be, um, super exciting and make the protagonist look great. Mm-hmm. So you have to have lulls in the story. And, um, and the other thing that's makes marketers uncomfortable is as consumers of stories, We tend to think that stories are always linear a to b to c and then it's over but in reality there's other forms of storytelling um that that don't have a beginning middle and end and some stories never end including Mm. that of or someday it'll end but like life Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so if you're open to the story going in different directions you would tell a different story but marketers put so much pressure on themselves to like yeah. get the story to end at the result that they put, that somebody said in some, you know, beginning of the year planning meeting that the story has to land here. But if you're truly open and truly social and telling stories in uh, that connect to existing narratives and the culture around you, mm-hmm. it's unlikely you're going to land exactly where you set out to with your focus at the
2: beginning of the project. Mm. Um, and that's, that's scary that's, for marketers. Yeah, that's hard, I think, for marketers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always feel like there's, you know, they talk about storytelling, and then they have their list of product attributes that they want, you know, mentioned. Or is like, who who does a good job in the in the world of brands? Who's doing a good job telling I mean, stories? I, you know what's?
1: I mean, I I don't have a great answer for you, Josh, because I think it's the the organizations that have a very charismatic leader that plays the role of chief market executive. Okay, that's. So when I say that I mean you know to use high profile examples like a like a Steve Jobs when he was alive or whatever is yeah. that like um, it tr- because I, I can't th- I, unless unless the very top of the organization is leading um, is comfortable with shaping the story it becomes a story by committee thing and then it loses all its weight i I, I there aren't a lot of good examples, I think there right. aren't, I think that the I, good examples are individual entrepreneurs and, right. you know, small businesses that are doing, I mean, there's all kinds of cool examples of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a woman who's speaking via live stream at the festival uh, named Bethany Yellowtail, um, uh, Native American woman who creates fashions that are around uh, her culture and heritage in a non-exploitative shitty way, yeah. and, um, and she's a big activist, she's super cool. Um, I don't, I've never met her. I just have like been following her work. And, um, I think the way, you know, that's super cool. It's also the the name of the brand is B Yellowtail. I mean, it's her. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. of course she can move that or, um, you know, the, the apron company or Headley and Bennett, which makes outfits, the aprons for almost all the great restaurants. Oh, cool. Um, they have this, like, they've turned aprons into like this really cool story. Um, yeah. And but again, it's when companies get to a certain size, I don't know how they do that i think right. I think it really takes like a leader at the front who says, "This is a story i I have a story, and that's a story we're telling right. um but it's it's tough, yeah
2: um, you said something that I want to talk about, oh, yeah, you quoted Mike D <laughs> Uh, Uh, On Twitter.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you like the rebel thing, yeah. He said, I'm I'm interested
2: (laughs) in trying to do things that I feel I have no business doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was in a Vulture interview with Mike D. And I I tweeted... Yeah.
2: give, Give me an example from your own life.
1: I mean... Well, helping produce podcasts for the Los Angeles Times. I have i had never produced a podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of great people, yeah. a couple in this room, yeah. who had, you know, a year ago had more license to do that than I did. Um, I mean, one of the big, biggest secrets as one ages is that, like, all the people, the adults that we looked up to, we thought they knew they knew something we didn't know, and the truth sure. is nobody knows anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, my wife and i just bought our first house i'm i'm doing handyman stuff around the house i hired a handyman to do some stuff and i didn't like i didn't think he fixed anything any better than i did so okay. i realized he's just making it up too yeah. we're all just making it up yeah. and um so for me that means uh all the things we mentioned uh i'm not i am not from the bronx nor from um south l a but i i claim my spot in the hip hop world and sure. serve where I can and enjoy the and enjoy that culture and that community um i'm i'm not a journalist yet I am one of the most uh passionate um advocates for high quality journalism out there and i'm i'm and I'm way more open to that conversation than most journalists are mm. um you know i'm basically their hype man <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah and, um, and so that's, I'm constantly doing it. And I, I don't, and I and I don't think that takes away any, uh, credibility for me to say, you know, what Mike D said about doing something that you have no business doing. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're doing it now, you have the business of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you do things with respect, um, and a little bit of humility, uh, you can, you can sling just about anything out there.
2: Nice. Um, and then, uh. Okay, one last question before we get to the lightning round. You said <laughs> something else on Twitter. Uh, you said one day today will be twenty years ago. What will you wish you had started right now?
1: Yeah, that was a quote from this uh, really cool woman named Bailey Hancock, um, and that was a reminder to me. That was me kind of putting myself on blast, saying, "Start the thing now," rather than do. You know, I yeah, I I told you this this depth versus breadth thing that I'm constantly grappling with in my own brain and career and um i want to i want to do more experiments so one of the a a concept i've been toying with and i haven't really baked it out is the idea of like you know people talk about working on your mental health Um, i happen to have pretty healthy mental health so i want to work on my experimental health Mm. and i want to do whether that be quarterly or semi-annually or whatever like pretty deep dives on creating some product and, mm-hmm. and I want to also use it as a way to build and um, maintain and strengthen networks mm-hmm. so if I find identify a, a key person in my life that I want to work with but because they don't work at the other times or because they got some other thing we're unlikely to work together let's come up with an idea let's knock out a product a prototype or uh, you know a proof of concept get it out into the world and see how people react to mm-hmm. it mainly for the purpose of learning. Now if it happens to turn into revenue, that'd be that'd be really cool too. I like yeah. revenue. Yeah. But um far more interested in like getting feedback on it to learn to apply to that endeavor to to my core nine to five job or any other serendipitous things I discover along the way. And I'm just collecting stories, um, and experiences uh through experiments.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Can't Thanks. wait to see the experiment. Well, maybe we'll
1: have to do one together. For sure. I, I've and I do this now, but yeah, I want to do it with, um, more publicly. Okay. I guess right, because yeah, then yeah. there's more opportunity for someone else to say, "Yo, oh, Clint, I saw you talking about blah blah blah. I want to get down with that. I I yeah. have graphic design skills to bring to the table."
2: Boom, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's get to the lightning round. All right. So tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Uh, uh you know. The decision that changed
1: my life forever was to go to this Washington journalism conference in high school. And that sounds pretty boring. What was interesting about it is like I met some girl from LA. It was like a camp romance, mm-hmm. and that led to me having in my head that LA is a place that I might want to be many years later. Right? Interesting. And it got me, and it's the first time I had been to either coast, yeah. so expanded my whole thought about who is in the world, and and met a lot of cool people from around the globe at that particular event, mm-hmm. and just really changed my whole. It kept me from, you know, my small town. Any, any remnant I had of small town mindedness um,
2: really kind of converted me to a global citizen. Nice. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me, I was, you're the second White House intern I've met. Okay. Because uh, I was, what year was that? It's about 97, 98. I was invited to meet a group of uh, Harvard Business School students. Nice. We're out here on a trip, and Monica Lewinsky was there. Okay, all right. And like nothing else was discussed except for her. Like everyone, <laughs> just everyone was like, "I'm sure." Yeah, that was crazy. Well,
1: I mean, again, like the serendipity—you never know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know Monica Lewinsky, but I'll say, like, the work she's doing right now, anti-bullying and stuff. Yeah, this work that she wouldn't have had had she not had to go through all the shit she
2: went through. She got bullied pretty heavily.
1: And. And the truth is, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what's in her. I hope that she's in a good place. And I'll say that, like, she's, she's found, like, a vocation. Yeah. Like, she's, like, literally yeah, yeah. making a big difference in a lot Absolutely. of people's lives in a way that you, there's no way she would have charted, clearly. No, nobody would ask that, put on themselves, that, that kind of public of scrutiny. Of so, um, So, you know, you just got to keep rolling and improvising. I think she's a great example of that. That's
2: right. Okay, complete this sentence. I don't hmm. have talent. I have blank. Uh, I don't have talent.
1: I have friendliness.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, that's I, that's a true statement. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think um. You know, it's one one jam. It's you know, even my and all the jobs I've worked at, I've always left positive relationships, and good networks there, and, and continue to try to shout out those employers and stuff and it's a mixed record of success and and some of those jobs are better than others of course but um for myself and on their end but i i basically have this feeling that if like if if we ever met even if we didn't have a great experience you're on my team Mm. because if you do well i'm somehow related to that energy and i'm gonna and I still and I, I feel like I have uh the ability then to reach back out to you and do that with humility and sense of service. And I might be able to benefit from that success. I want everyone I, and then and then by extension, anyone I haven't met is just someone I'm one conversation away from sure. having met. So sure. I just want everyone to do well and that's I call that friendliness. Okay.
2: <laughs> I like that. So if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over?
1: Uh you know what I say all the time, I just gotta I gotta quit saying it, is uh Give, one more. I say this. Well, I probably shouldn't say this, but and then I say something <laughs> I probably shouldn't say, <laughs> and it's usually some um, harkening back to some personal story that I think relates to the situation at hand. No, I think that's actually,
2: <laughs> I think that's actually an important thing to say. Right? I think you know, from the, the the training I've done in sales and leadership and and all that stuff, right? I think um, there's a benefit to there are ways you can give yourself license mm-hmm. to say things that are important and necessary, but depending on how they're delivered, they could derail the conversation. Right. So I've often said in sales meetings, I also say, Hey, I know you're spo- not supposed to say this in the sales yeah. meeting, Yeah, yeah. but here's the truth. Right. 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 And that's served me really well sometimes. <laughs> Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work?
1: Oh man. Um, You know, I, I'm trying to figure out who they. You know what? What I, I, I like people. I would like someone to appreciate the variety of their work, who's also across a lot of other variety. This mm. is a weird example, but like maybe it's because I'm working at a storytelling festival. But like, right? Well, I'm I'm making a list of the people who I think are killing it across various mediums. And a lot in the entertainment world, that would be like everything from Charles Gambino, Donald Glover to steve martin to um to and i think it's like i i to oprah i think Mm -hmm. it's cool when people who can accomplish success and entertainment and and, um really serious kind of justice efforts and uh and, and so there's there's a long list of those people but i hope to someday join the ranks cool yeah
2: what's your favorite city to travel to oh
1: there's uh my favorite city to travel to is New York City. Nice. Just the energy there is unparalleled and um, I just feel like every yeah, day absolutely. there is three days worth of days.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, new York's one of those places that, you know, I've been there so many times that I'm sure yeah. you have. And like once in a while, you'll discover something new, a different part of town or like yeah, just some Well, some the same block will be some different. Something. Yeah. Well, but yeah, uh, okay, that's year. Sure. That's the other thing.
1: Um, yeah. My most underrated city, though, is Minneapolis. Mm. So big up to my adopted hometown, the uh, yeah. more arts per capita, super underrated music scene, um, super underrated culinary scene, yeah. and it's if it weren't, if it's it's like a colder Austin, Texas, um, and uh, best kept secret in the United States.
2: Uh, as as a claimer of Minneapolis, hmm. uh, favorite Prince song.
1: Oh. uh i mean he he just he like did do the song but I'm just down with sexy mf <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm talking about? yeah, yeah. yeah. in a word or two it's you i wanna do
0: no not your body your mind you fool come here baby yeah you
1: sexy motherfucker. That's my jam. Um, I'm down with the whole catalog, but... Uh, of course. Yeah, constant stream. Yeah. Um, that's, that was just a fun time in my life growing up, that song. Um, but there, there's so many others. I love Prince. Yeah, the best.
2: What's the last great book you read?
1: The last great book I read... Um, I read a bunch of really good books as part of this Seth Godin Alt-MBA yeah. program thing. Um, damn, the, the one is the art of the start oh yeah was a good one yeah Kawasaki. Yeah, and uh nope. damn i can't remember the name of this other book but um i kind of into like parables mm-hmm. about business
2: mm-hmm.
1: or my favorite books of all time generally have a character i guess this mirrors this conversation who like has a has very strong feelings about one thing and then has an experience and then changes course, you know, like, What's exactly? uh, well, like as a kid, my favorite book in high school was the autobiography of Malcolm X mm-hmm. and how, you know, the, the, the changes in, in Malcolm's life, sure. um, or in fiction like Siddhartha or books yeah. like that. Like yeah. I think, um, just because I think that's the life. I think that's more true to our actual human experience mm-hmm. that you're, um, you can get set in your ways and live one kind of, uh, one directional life but I, I think it's a lot more rich to continue to discover and reinvent and to and to look at life in chapters, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if that's school or whatever, cause, you know, going to traditional schools but you know, high school is four years for me, college is four years uh-huh. for me and I kind of think in four-year blocks. Interesting. Um, I think maybe that's a good thing. You know, I, I, for better and worse, for the same thing, like sports. Yeah. I like yeah. played, you know, a different sport every season uh-huh. so I like try to do that in my life. Like, yeah. what's this season it's going to be this experiment. This season oh, I'm cool. going to whatever run yeah but then i don't really like running so i'll quit doing that
2: after that season and i'll do something else
1: okay um but i like books that celebrate that
2: yeah that's cool i love that um you mentioned artist start guy kawasaki had a when i was first starting rebel i found rules for revolutionaries mm. which was a, one of his first books mm-hmm. and that changed it changed business for me cool just reading cool, cool. that and a lot of a lot of what we've built is based on that.
1: Oh, awesome. I mean, a, a super old school, book I read a long time ago that I love, it's called uh, Commodify Your Descent. Oh, wow. And it's by Thomas Frank who went on okay. to write like What's the Matter with Kansas and all these kind of political books. Um, it's a compendium of articles from a alternative journal called The Baffler. but mm. um, what's cool about that one is it talked about, I bring this up because of what the book you just shared. Because it talked about how the lang- how business co the language of rebellion. Yeah. And and uses it for business purposes. Sure. But I I'm I genuinely like that kind of business speak. Right. But I also like that I heard like the underpinnings of the research that led to that adoption of you yeah. know why che Guevara shirts are made in China and sold at, at Urban Outfitters. Right. And um and I like so I I like that that gives me like a bit of a healthy skepticism about talk of revolution in business. Sure. Um, while I still enjoy and in fact espouse some of those same principles myself. It's a cool yeah. self, uh, self-awareness Right, yeah, Check yeah. out Commodifier. I will. That's cool.
2: <laughs> what, uh, what movie have you seen the most in your life?
1: Most frequently?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I've probably seen Old School the most. <laughs> and, and the reason... What a great uh, movie. Or Elf. And I'm not even a big Will Ferrell fan, but okay. Elf I just watch every holiday season, so yeah. there's that. And then Old School was like my go-to date movie because uh-huh. it was like everyone's seen it already. Starts out with nudity, right. so that's good. And it, <laughs> and it's funny, so it's like a light movie. So it was yeah. like I thought it was like the perfect, like, come watch movie, uh, movie. It's not bad. So I watch Old School a lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> or, or part of Old School. No,
1: oh, yeah, I'm a gentleman. You know, you <laughs> watch <whole>
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Who's your favorite DJ?
1: Favorite DJ? Um, well, I know he's a favorite of yours, too, but I'm going to say DJ Jazzy Jeff. Is uh, just from the whole thing production, yeah. the variety, all the non hip hop stuff too. Yeah, um, just love him. Got a chance to meet him once or twice. Really nice guy too. But mm-hmm. um, on a just on a personal note, like people I've met, you know, I um, big Z trip fan. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really fun live show that gets all audiences jumping. And then. Um, there was a, a lesser, uh, not as quite as well-known DJ uh, named DJ Abilities who okay. toured with Idea, oh, yeah. the late Idea, um, on Rhyme Sairs, and he's still uh, DJing, and he was just like a, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but like a DMC champion or uh-huh. whatever he was, real the really working the turntable with the Scratches and whatnot, and just saw a lot of DJ Abilities in those formative years of my mm. hip-hop life, so That's cool. he's a favorite
2: too. Fun. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Thanks for doing this, man. It was fun. Thanks was for fun. having us. It was fun. I'm excited. Uh, looking forward to New Story in a couple of weeks. No doubt. Come out, see
1: Ali Shaheed Ali Muhammad with Josh Levine on Rebel Radio. Nice. At Festival uh, of Books.
2: And, and the rest of the festival. Hell yeah. Definitely. It's going to be awesome. Um, how, does, how do people get tickets?
1: Uh, you go to, well, go to the festival website is latimes.com slash festival of books. Okay. Um, you can see our lineup at slash new story. And, um, and the event is open to the public um, and then there's a ticketing thing on there. So as to avoid big lines, you'd have to get tickets to indoor programming. But some are free. But it's, it's all free or there's like a small true. ticket fee okay. for like a dollar or something to yeah. reserve a ticket nice. um, in advance and then you can just show up the day of if there's still space. Cool. Or if something as rad as Ali Shahid Muhammad or, or the panel or some of the other big names, I uh, definitely suggest
2: getting on there and getting your tickets in advance. Right. Cool. Cool. Yo, that's what's up on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed that one. I know I did. Uh, Make sure you hit us with comments, feedback, reviews, all that stuff on iTunes. Go to our, uh, find us on social, Rebel Radio Net. Damn, you would think I would know it. It's been almost three years. Uh, Rebel Radio Net on Twitter, on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube. We got videos coming up of all the episodes or a lot of them. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.